There are things that we experience but never talk about. A shadow moving in a corner, flickering of the lights, a disembodied voice. We invite you to talk with us, share your story, share your evidence, because this isn't just your story, this is our story. This is Ghostbox Radio. And this is Ghostbox Radio on AM 950, where every week we talk about the paranormal, ufology, Bigfoot, or just the unusual. My name is Greg Bakken, and thank you for joining me today. First of all, happy Thanksgiving. I hope everyone had a great time. Hopefully you had enough turkey. Hopefully that it was just a good day and that, uh, that there was a lot for everyone to be thankful for. I want to get right to the meat of the show today. Matt Neen is a genius. There is no other way to put it. We're going to get to his pedigree more in the show, but it's important to know how intelligent he is as we unravel his tale this week. You see, Matt had a true alien experience. He was not abducted, but found himself on an alien spaceship with an incredible outcome. What you're going to learn about Matt very quickly is his curiosity of everything and his desire for knowledge. And of course, that he is a genius. Please keep all of this in mind when you listen to his story. Matt, welcome to Ghostbox Radio. Uh, Matt, why don't we start at the very beginning? And, um, you know, I guess the thing is, um, I guess from what I've heard the story to be, when you and I talked about it, very simply, um, you have, you had a love for radio, right? Uh, well, I've, I've had a love for everything mechanical and mm-hmm. engines and motors and 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 electrical and every, just about everything. Right. So that's that's actually a very big starting point um, to the story. Why don't you go ahead and and kind of start off if if you don't mind? Well, um, my uh, <clears throat> my dad was a mechanical engineer. My brother's a mechanical engineer, and engineering's always been real strong in our family. Mm-hmm. And I always had an interest in learning uh, more deeply about everything that I could learn about. And at one point, I was interested in electronics, because that's one of my most least understood areas of electricity. And I started to play around with, at at one time, uh, crystal radios and radios and winding my own coils and basically making a radio from scratch. Mm -hmm. And... So I uh, had a shop teacher that all the, all the students were making crystal radios, and I made one too, and, and uh, I took it home, and I experimented with it and tried to give it better reception, and I eventually ended up um, putting thousands of feet of wire on the roof of the house that I lived in to, uh, to try to enhance the signal. And, and I want to interrupt because no one really, I mean, unless you look at the picture, when you say thousands of feet of wire, you mean it. I mean, I remember when you had the model of the house, and that picture's on the site, you had the model of the house, and you turned it around, and you showed how big the antenna is. I, I just think it's so important to prove that this is not just a little wire that sticks up out of a window or something. The whole roof of the house on one side is an antenna. Or actually, both sides, isn't it? Yeah, both sides. Every square inch of the roof was glistening with wire. 
Right. There, there were nails pounded in an inch apart on either eave of the house, and the wires went 40 feet across the roof and went around a nail and then went 40 feet back across the roof around a nail, then 40 feet back across the roof around a nail. Right. Back and forth and back and forth. The whole entire roof was just saturated with wire. Yep. Very, very thin, small-gauge wire, electric motor winding wire was basically strung throughout the entire roof. Mm-hmm. And it, it increased the signal quite a bit. And I also uh, changed things with the windings of the coils and whatnot to try to improve the uh, the range and the listenability and and uh, then played around with different headphones and uh, speaker microphones and all this kind of thing to try to get it so I could hear it better and and you know just experimenting basically right so and it worked really good and I could hear radio stations from other countries back when there weren't a lot of foreign languages in the United States or in my area and I was getting far away signals and 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 I when I would go to sleep at night I would turn the dial up and down and up and down I would be searching for different frequencies yep and I found a frequency that was really fascinating. There was this strange language and voices on there that was really weird. And I said to my friends, I said, hey, c- hey, check this out. I've got aliens on my radio. This, this thing will hear all the way to China. You should <laughs> hear, hear this. And I'd turn it on, and there'd be these deep, grumbly voices yep. that were incoherable and and... And I just made made light of it, you know, jokingly, like, gosh, doesn't that sound like aliens? And it really mm-hmm. did. It just sounded so weird. Sure. And uh, and then I put a mark on the radio, on the dial, to, um, so I wouldn't lose that station. It was the favorite station that I'd listen to when i go to sleep. And uh, so that was what I called the alien station. Okay. But... It picked up all the stations. It picked up regular radio and everything else, you know. But mm-hmm. how long was the transmission? I mean, were there breaks or was it constant? Uh, sometimes when I turned on the alien station, I didn't hear anything. It would be dead silent because it wasn't actually a radio station. It was more of I think it was more of a communication channel. And if they weren't speaking at the time, I would turn it on. There'd be nothing, just dead air. Did there you might be dead. Did you think okay. that at did you think that at the time though that it might have been like a communication channel or were you just because it was so dare I say alien that you know you just didn't really know what it was it could have been just noise for all you all you knew I, right I actually thought that there was a problem with the transmission and that these weren't actually I thought that the distortions in the language were um that I was taking it from so far away and it was bouncing off the atmosphere or something and somehow changing the voices. I, I really didn't think it was aliens. I was just sort of joking around, mm-hmm. you know, but I, I was sure it was a communication channel because it would, I wouldn't hear anything for hours. And, and then on a certain night, all of a sudden I'd have a lot of activity. Okay. You know, and so I would have to check it frequently to see if there's anything on it, you know, and some nights there was and, you know, and some nights there wasn't. Okay. So, and then, uh, so, and then, 
And then uh, I remember I'd listen to it every day, and if I were to imitate the voices that I heard, it was kind of like a, it's like it's kind of like this. It was like, that's it. Kind of sounded like that. Sure. And so that's that's what it sounded like. And and they were speaking, and they had influxes in their voices, and you could hear different uh, all moods, you know, uh, like, like like quicker different... speaking, slower speaking. Sure. Okay. You know, yep. And then one day, one day I remember I, I, that uh, that there was all kinds. Of, there, it, the tones became very angry one night, really angry. And uh, and I was just like, wow, these guys are in some kind of a fight. And I was listening to this, and I was just glued to it. It was really something. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and uh, so then. And then, then it just went silent right after all this big fighting was going on, and so, so that that's all I thought of it, you know. That and until the next day, yeah. And and, I, and there was nothing. It just went dead. I just thought they, I I don't know. I didn't. I just thought that was it with these guys. That something that it had just something had really gone down, and that was the last I heard of them until until, until this whole story happened the net the following day. Mm-hmm. So. No. How much so, time had passed from building the radio to the angry voices? I mean, how long had you been? Oh, in? maybe two weeks. It wasn't that long. It was not long at all. Weeks. Okay. Not really, because a lot of nights I didn't hear anything. You know, I only got to hear like every other night, maybe, and sometimes it was every third night. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I, it really wasn't that many nights in total until the big fight happened, and you know so yeah maybe two weeks okay so then what happened after the big fight in terms of what happened with you then well i i came home in the evening and it was kind of getting dusk out Mm -hmm. and i and i was real tired i was fully dressed and i walked into my room which is in the attic yeah i have like a i had like an attic bedroom yeah you know it was like a finished attic bedroom but Mm-hmm. Anyhow, you know, with slanted ceilings that you bump your head on and all that kind of thing. Kind of a dream for any 14-year-old, to be honest, right? <laughs> yeah, no, I liked it. Yeah. It was, it was good. Yeah. So I came home. I was tired. And I and I walked over, and I, and I just laid down in bed. I was just exhausted. I, and I was fully dressed. I just laid down. I was just, And then I just started nodding off like I was falling asleep. Mm-hmm. And, and then, uh, and then I... I uh, and then I had I had been almost kind of sleeping halfway in in and out of sleep, and then uh, I thought I heard a noise, and so I looked up and I noticed that my bedroom door had always been opened all the way up flat against the wall. Yep. And I thought it was really strange that my door was not flat against the wall as I looked from my bed, and I thought that's strange. My bed it's always against the wall, and I thought. I'll bet you there's someone hiding behind my door, you know. And I thought, because I thought I heard something, and I thought, I think there's someone hiding behind my door, because that door is always open, you know. So so then what I did is I, I kind of closed my eyes, and I pretended I was sleeping. Mm-hmm. And then I suddenly popped my eyes open, and then I saw, like, this black object go run behind 
some boxes under my table. We're going to take our first break. When we come back, we're going to continue our conversation about the strangest alien encounter you're going to ever hear with our guest, Matt Neen. You're listening to Ghost Box Radio on AM 950. Are you dreading Monday, hating life, and living for the weekends? It might be time for some life changes. Pamela Topjian is a board-certified hypnotherapist at hypnobreakthrough.com, and she can help. Consultations are always free, and you'll also receive a complimentary sample session to try out. Get in touch on hypnobreakthrough.com or send a message on social media, hypnobreakthrough or Pamela Marie Topjian, and she's going to be able to help you. Now, welcome back to Ghost Box Radio on AM 950. My name is Greg Bakken. Thank you for joining us. Our guest today is Matt Neen, who has the strangest alien encounter you're going to ever hear. And then I saw, like, this black object go run behind some boxes under my table. Yep. And, and, and I had, like, surprised this thing. I, you know, I thought it was hiding behind my door. And sure enough, there was something there. And it ran behind these boxes. And so I looked under my table, and I could see just over the boxes, I could see the image, just the top of it, across the top of the boxes, and I, I just, there was something back there. And I looked, I could see it, and it was holding stationary, it was being very quiet and very still, but I could see the top of it, and I thought it was a cat, because mm-hmm. it was like black, you know? And so I got up, and I sort of rounded my work table where it was this was all happening under my work table and around the boxes under my work table yeah so i walked around the table and i looked and as i walked around the table it 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 scurried to the other side and and was hiding away from me around the boxes but i could see it was still there so then i decided i was going to chase it out i thought it was a cat so my plan was to just go dart under the table and climb around the table on my hands and knees and chase it out Right. Mm-hmm. So I made this dash, and I dashed under the table, hands and knees, went around the table, chased it out. When I came around the table, I went to stand up, um, and went to take off running after this. I thought it was a cat. It got down the hallway, and before it rounded the staircase to go downstairs, the thing was, you know, like three and a half feet tall, and it not, wasn't not a cat. Uh, and not a cat. And, and, and might how old were you? How tall were you? Well, I was 14 at the time, so I don't know. Like five-something, I mean, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, but it was it was significantly shorter than me. I thought, I thought, you know, well, at first I thought, when I saw it right at that split second go around the staircase, I thought it was a bear. It was just totally black from sure. head to foot. And I thought, my, oh, my God, what the, that's not a cat. What is that? Is that a bear? But I was already in full stride running after it. Mm-hmm. And I continued running. I went around the staircase. And it, by then, it was at the bottom of the stairs. I ran down the stairs. And I got to the bottom of the stairs. And it was opening the sliding glass door. And I thought, well, that's not a bear, because a bear does not open a sliding glass door. <laughs> Unless it's gentle Ben, but go ahead. <laughs> you know, it re- it grabbed the handle and <laughs> slid the thing sideways. It, it was you know, a bear's not going to do that. No. And it, and it opened the sliding glass door, and it was getting away from me, but it had to slow down to open the sliding glass door, so I caught up. But then I was afraid to jump it, 
you know, it opened the door, and then I went chasing out after it. But then I, I thought, well, if the thing's opening the sliding glass door, then it's probably uh, a kid in a costume. Mm-hmm. You know, like like maybe mm-hmm. a kid much younger than me wearing some kind of a costume is what I figured at that point. So I took off chasing this thing and ran out across the deck and jumped off the deck, and I was in full stride running after this thing. With, and at that point, I thought it was a kid in a costume. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I took off r- running after him. And, and I chased him and chased him, and it was just fast. I just, it was getting away from me, and I was running as fast as I possibly could. And, uh, and I was coming up to a clearing of trees and bushes. And, and I thought this thing is just going to get away from me, and I, I'm just going to have to really make a, a desperate dive for this thing to try to figure out who it is. So just as it went to go in the bushes, and I thought it was going to lose me in the bushes, so I, I really just made a huge jump into the bushes to capture it at the last minute. And when I dove into the bushes, I just, my whole entire face and body ran flat into like a slanted, uh, well, I, I come to believe it was a ramp, an elevated ramp against the ground slanted upwards. And I just face planted right into the surface of this ramp. Mm-hmm. And then this this ramp lifted upward and closed, and it, and I tumbled inside a hallway, um, what turned out to be a hallway. I just tumbled head first into this hallway as this ramp closed, and so and then I I was in, and then I found myself in this hallway, mm-hmm. and there was a door at the far end of the hallway, and I was just trapped in this hallway, and then I saw this this. At that point, well, then I knew it wasn't the kid in the costume. Was well, you know, I didn't know what it was, and it ran to the left through a doorway, mm-hmm. and I saw I saw it turn the corner and run through the door. Yep. And and so I'm in a hallway with a door at the far end with a door on the left. And so then I got to my feet and I turned around and I looked at the ramp that had just closed me in, and I thought, Wow, what in the heck is this? So I just knew. I mean, I just. I, I was just freaking out. This is something really weird. I, I didn't know where I was. And this ain't supposed to be here, behind, behind these bushes. And I turned around, and I tried to scale the ramp. I ran up the ramp and tried to unlatch it to get it to open to get out, and I couldn't open the ramp. I, I, slid, I ran up and slid down the ramp. I couldn't get out. And I, and I didn't know how to open So I was stuck in this hallway. And with no place to go, I went down the hallway to the door on the left, which was closed, but it was open just a crack. Mm-hmm. And I, I peeked through the crack of that door, and uh, and then I could see that the little little guy that I was chasing was over talking to an older, like a parent or a. I I, I come to believe that this was a child maybe, and that mm-hmm. he was now talking to his parent, two parents, and um, so there was three of them. And they were all 15, 20 feet away from where I was peering through at the door. And so I was looking at them, and, and, and then I, I tried to open the door just to crack more, and the, the door just just kind of over-centered and swung open. And I didn't mean for it to swing open like that because I was trying to hide. But uh, And then as the door started to swing away and I wanted to stay hidden, I reached out to try to grab the door handle to hold it closed to hide. Mm-hmm. 
but there was no door handle. It, they just don't have door handles. And so the door swung open. And and then there I was completely exposed, standing in the doorway, and I was completely caught. They all three saw me sure. in the day, sta- yep. standing in the doorway. And so, so then it was no secret that I was there. And so I just took one step in the doorway, you know, and didn't know exactly where this was heading, but... And then I looked around in that room, and I, I would call it the big room. There was this one big room. And I looked around in this room, and when I looked at the ramp, and I looked at the far end of the big room, which also had a ramp shape. Let's take another break. When we come back, we're going to continue our conversation about the strangest alien encounter you're ever going to hear with our guest, Matt Neen. You're listening to Ghost Box Radio on AM 950. Ghost Stories and Beyond returns to Billy's in Anoka on December 7th at 6.30 p.m. Join Char Savoy and myself, Greg Bakken, as we stream in Bigfoot researcher Robert Robinson. Spend the evening asking him questions about Bigfoot, share your stories, or even chat about ghosts and UFOs. We're even giving away a copy of his newest book, International Legend Tripping. It's $10 a ticket to join in, and we'll see you December 7th at 6.30 p.m. at Billy's in Anoka. And if you miss Ghost Box Radio with Greg Bakken live, AM 950 replays these episodes Saturday nights at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time, or you can listen anytime by going to Spotify or iTunes. After listening, please leave a positive review for my show. I would greatly appreciate it. We return to our guest today, Matt Neen, who has the strangest alien encounter you're ever going to hear. And I looked at the far end of the big room, which also had a ramp shape, a circular ramp shape going around the whole entire perimeter of the floor mm-hmm. on, on the far end, about 20 feet away. And after realizing the floor I'm walking on is slanted down, and then the far wall was slanted up at maybe a 30-degree angle. And as I put this into perspective, the geometry of all this, I came to realize this, I think this is a spaceship. Like traditionally, the way that you would um, identify a spaceship and all the movies and all that, it really had taken on the shape of a spaceship, and these critters that I'm looking at are also alien to me. And it never occurred to me until that moment that this might have something to do with that alien channel I've been listening to. Mm-hmm. And so, and I'd totally forgotten about that at the time I was chasing this thing until I was standing there with these creatures, and I'm, and then it connected with me that this is all part of that, of what I've been listening to. Mm-hmm. So, and when I stepped through the doorway, the doorway was quite short, and I had to duck my head to go through the doorway, and the uh, the parents that were farther away, the one parent was more uh, forward, and and the, the, he directed the child to leave. The child left, and then it was just the two parents, and the one parent was more assertive, and then he started to walk forward, and then he said, "You have to leave." And it, but he, it, I didn't even realize how he told me to leave. I think it was telepathically, but it, it felt like he was just speaking yeah. words. Mm-hmm. It, it felt so natural, 
that I completely understood, and it never, it didn't strike me that this was happening telepathically. It, it, it struck me as time went on, but I wasn't startled by it. He said, okay, you have to leave. And I heard it, and, and then I said, is this some kind of a spaceship? I'm looking around, and he said again, you have to leave. And I looked around at the walls, I was really getting an eyeful, and I said, this is a spaceship, isn't it? This is really a spaceship. So I took one more step inside the door and I got a little more comfortable with looking around and I was just so, so shocked by it. And then he, as he approached very slowly, he kept coming closer and as he came closer, because the floor was slanted, I thought he was big and scary and the closer he got, the shorter he got and I realized I was much taller than him. I was taller than the adult. And then, of course, that's why the door frames were so low because they're all shorter. Sure. So then when he got face-to-face with me, I, I became more confident as I realized that I was much bigger than him. I was probably scarier to him than, than I, was, I was to him than he was to me. So then I said, well, if this is a spaceship, I said, I want to see the engine. I, I love engines. I want to see the engine. And he says, well, you have to leave. And I said, I'm not leaving until I see the engine. And and I was really insistent that I see the engine. I was halfway between sheer panic and and just wanting to see, just desperately wanting to see the engine. So then he said, well, you have to take off your watch. And okay, so I I moved my left arm forward, took the, my watch off my wrist, handed him my watch, and then he directed me to turn around and go out the other way. So I went back out the door I came in, and uh, the other parent, and I couldn't identify male or female. I couldn't see their faces. No matter how close you would stand to them, you couldn't see their face. It was pitch black. Mm-hmm. You, you couldn't, you couldn't, but when I noticed, when I could see um, the background lighting, if their face was turned to the side, you could see a profile, at, you know, like a nose, just like us, just a regular, just a smaller version of us. You know, two arms, two legs, nose, everything that we have, but you absolutely couldn't see anything unless it was a profile because there was just so, they were just so dark, no teeth, no eyes, sure, nothing. Just and and I at one point I was standing less than three feet from him face to face and could not even see any detail of his face. Mm-hmm. But yet from twenty feet away, when he when he had turned his head and there was a lighter background, I could totally see his profile, his nose, everything. Mm. So so I turned around and the I would guess that this person that the assertive one was a male. I'm guessing. I don't know. And the other one that was less assertive, maybe the female, I'm guessing. But the female rounded in front of me to lead the way, and the male walked behind me, and then we walked back out the door I came out of, went to the end of the hall, opened the door at the far end of the hall, and went into what then turned out to be the engine room. And I got to go inside that engine room and look at the engine, which was spinning in motion when I looked at it. And so I looked at this engine, and I studied it, 
I don't know for how long. I mean, it could have been from 20 minutes to an hour. I stared at that engine, and there was a uh, walkway. There was a circular railing. The engine was, like, in the center of the entire craft, and there was a walkway, a circular flat walkway all the way around the engine. And I walked around that walkway against that railing, looking at that engine from all sides. And I looked at every, and then I noticed I could see past the engine onto second floor. There was an upper deck walkway identical to the lower deck walkway, just a circular platform with the engine going right down through the center. And and I, as I looked way up past second floor, I could see a dish shape way up at the ceiling, and then I could see a dish shape at the floor below me, and I could see um, the way uh, it, it appeared that bearings were holding a center shaft at the axis at the lower and upper dish of the ceiling and the floor, mm-hmm. which, is, which is also what I'd seen in movies. I, I've seen spaceships that have these like a like a smaller dish around the very center axis both the top and the bottom just like you see in a movie or a show and that it really and that's exactly what it looked like from the inside i was looking at the inside spherical shape against the floor and the ceiling and with this whole apparatus spinning down the middle mm-hmm. and as i looked at that apparatus i tried to remember everything I could remember about it. Um, I noticed there were pieces that were similar to each other, and so I counted, you know, there's four of these and four of these and six of these and one of these and, you know, three of these or whatever, and I I counted all these symmetrical similarities and I did that for quite a while, and then the assertive one said, okay, you have to leave. And I said, well, I just need a little bit more time. I just want to look at this just a little longer. And then I started to desperately try to remember everything I saw. And there were these uh, these rods that were moving, um, long, or they were moving uh, vertically up and down at a very rapid speed. These rods that went from floor to ceiling, there were six of those. Mm-hmm. And I remembered, I burned it into my memory. There's six vertical rods um, moving uh, up and down, up and down, up and down. Okay, and then I saw there was these these dishes. They had like a wobbling motion. I would I would call it like an elliptical motion. Mm-hmm. Like if you were to spin a nickel on a table, and the way a nickel you know wobbles on the table before it comes to rest, that's the motion that was coming from all these pieces throughout the machine from floor to ceiling. There was two similar ones at the bottom and two identical similar ones at the top. And then those appeared to be different than the other four that did a similar thing but were of a slightly different dimension. Mm-hmm. There were four of these, say, call them wobbling nickels throughout the center. So, in other words, from, from bottom to top, there'd be two similar larger nickels, and then, and then higher than that would be four similar thinner nickels and then higher than that towards the top again is now two again heavier thicker nickels at the top and 
and I saw this all wobbling, and I could see that the the upper two were mimicking the motion of the lower two, and there was connecting similarities. And then I noticed that the thinner nickels, every other one, was mimicking every other one, uh, opposing it. It was it was kind of really hard to explain, but but uh, and then when this all was spinning, then I noticed there were some completely flat rings that were spinning between the wobbling nickels that didn't wobble at all. They just it just looked like a flat circular spinning ring, mm-hmm. and that took me years to figure out that I don't think it was flat, but it was spinning at such a speed I couldn't see, but I've come to realize that because I've tried to build this thing, that it actually was a half circle, and it was spinning, so it looked like a full circle spinning flat, but it was actually, I think, a 180-degree circle spinning on a flat axis, and there was four of those, and I remember there was four of those, and so, and and I took notes walking around the engine and trying yep. to recall exactly how it looked. And they're kind of wanting you to leave. <laughs> they're wanting to me to leave, and at a, maybe the third or fourth time they kept insisting that I leave, they both circled the deckway and trapped me. And uh, and then all I can remember at that point was that I woke up in my bed. So I think they literally knocked me out somehow mm-hmm. and put me back in my room. Okay. So... And so now, what are you? You're thinking? Um, are you? Are, is your first instinct like real, or this is a dream? Well, I woke up in all of it. I thought was real. Every bit of it was real. You never doubted when it I, at the no. time. Okay. When when I woke up in my bed, I was a little bit upset because I didn't want to be put in my bed. My first impulse was to. I was just angry that I wasn't still looking at the engine. And so I woke up, and the first thing I did is I grabbed a pencil and a piece of paper, and I started um, logging and documenting everything that I remembered about the engine, every detail I could remember. We're going to take our last break. When we come back, we're going to finish our conversation about the strangest alien encounter you're going to ever hear with our guest, Matt Neen. You're listening to Ghost Box Radio on AM 950. For our final segment, we return to our guest today, Matt Neen, who has the strangest alien encounter you're going to ever hear. Is I grabbed a pencil and a piece of paper, and I started um, logging and documenting everything that I remembered about the engine, every detail I could remember. And and then uh, and then I uh, and then I got up and I went downstairs, and I got to the bottom of the stairs, and my sister said, "Where were you?" She says, you left the door open. You ran out of here. She says, how did you get back in your room? You know, because she says I didn't come back in the door to go upstairs. Mm-hmm. And so that was validation for me, you know. But then, and and then at that point, then I started to tell her the story. And, and of course, she's doubting this whole story. She thinks I've lost my marbles. And I'm telling her the story, and... And I'm telling the story. I did this. I did that. I went in this room. I told him I want to see the engine. Then he took and he took my watch. And then right when I said that, I realized, oh, my watch. I looked at my arm. My watch is gone. 
And and my watch, I never took the watch off. For I I would shower with this watch on. It was a waterproof watch, and I was in love with it. I never took it off, and my watch was missing. And and I said, look at see, my watch is gone. And and I just and that was validation again. I just got more and more validation. The more I looked at everything, it was I just got validation every place I looked. And uh, and then and then, uh, but I don't I don't know. My sister didn't seem to really believe me anyway. So then, uh, after I I went back, I went outside, looked for more validation, came back in the house, went went back upstairs to my room, um, you know, I, and then I'll, I get to my room and my room's practically on fire, and I discover that my watch had been set onto an electrical uh, piece of apparatus that w- would cause it to short out. They, there was this table. And they had conveniently laid it on the table, not realizing they were crossing some electrical currents, and uh, and were melting this uh, thing in my room. And at any rate, my uh, so and there's my watch, mm-hmm. and I would never put it there. And so, uh, you know, I got my watch. I ran back downstairs, told my sister, "Look at my watch. It was on my table. Look at it. Melted the table. You know, and, you know." And it was validation for me, and I don't know if it was validation for her. I don't know at what point. You know, now later in life, she she believes the story, but she doesn't remember her account as as I would expect her to. That all all she can recall is being skeptical and pessimistic the whole time. Sure. You know, and but all these fine details were validation for me and very important. And so, and I went back upstairs and I tried to get the crystal radio to work, and it didn't work. Try tried to see if I could hear them and trying to and now really piecing this together how this whole thing could have happened how it started with the crystal radio and uh, and and it didn't work and, it, and then it didn't work on any station none of the stations worked mm-hmm. nothing not even a simple station worked so the whole thing was completely broken so then I had concluded well well they, they busted my radio they took it apart or did something to it and and maybe that's why they came here was to wreck the radio Mm-hmm. And, and 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 I've thought about it through the years, and and I came to realize that I remember when the wind would blow, that I would hear all the wire on the roof that was rustling around in the wind, and possibly that wire, as it floated up and down the roof, because it was attached from end to end, but it was forty feet long, and it was able to move quite a bit as the wind gusts would happen and that possibly these wires could cause inductance that could transmit a signal, and they may have thought that I wasn't, you know, a human person, that maybe it was a distress message from someone other than me, or maybe that's why they came to investigate it in the first place. You know, I don't know. Loud interference, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, I I don't know, but, but... you know, I mean, surely, you know, if it was that simple that you're just going to hook hook a real big antenna to a crystal radio, why is that going to work? And the only thing out of the norm I could think of is just the wind gusting the wires around on the roof. And 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 then I recall that when I was in the ship that that, um, that I suppose it was a child was really getting uh, cursed out by the parents. When I was peeking through the crack in the door, that that kid was in trouble. Maybe he wasn't even supposed to be in my room. I don't know, but mm-hmm. you know, I, 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 you know, all these things are mysteries, and 
And and that's the and, thing. Oh, I was just going to say that's the thing that we kind of thought about you, Helena, and I, and uh, Nicole, and we were all talking about your what was going on your account and how possibly, you know, the the mission, if if you will, was to disable the radio. But mm-hmm. somebody was very curious about maybe humans or something and ended up checking out your room or something. Yeah, maybe, maybe just the kid because the kid didn't know any better, you know, and, and the, the parents just maybe didn't keep a close enough eye on him. And, and he really, you know, maybe they were just supposed to wreck the radio but not investigate to, you know, my toys or whatever mm. interest him in my room, which I didn't really have toys. I just had experiments in my room more than anything. I was kind of a technical kid anyhow, but for whatever reason, he just seemed to be gravitated to my room. Maybe, I don't know, but right. So, so, so then, um, you, all that happens. And, uh, but then there's, kind of there's kind of finality to everything with with the radio and the antenna right um yeah to a point um i i realized then about a day after this whole thing had happened i'm sitting in the car my mom's going to come out we're going to go to the store or something and she goes to the door and she when she slammed the door all that wire came showering off the roof of the house this huge mound of wire just came sheeting down the roof and then I, I I jumped out of the car. What in the heck's going on here? And I come run over. All these wires had been cut. Like the whole, they had been wrapped around all these nails hundreds and hundreds of times. And all the wire came sheeting down. So they had cut all the wire free from the roof. Mm-hmm. And when she slammed the door, it all came off the roof. And I th- and that's how they disabled it. They just went on the roof, cut the wires. And I don't know what else they did to the radio. I never I never had the radio ever work again. And you know, and and you never want never thought about um, remaking it or rebuilding or anything like yeah, that. I, I thought about remaking it or rebuilding it, and I think that if someone was so interested, and oh, I'm sure I'm sure this is easily available. And if you let the wires dance around on the roof, you know, who knows what might happen. What you may not have realized was this interview was conducted in 2016 when I was a host on Para-X Radio. Matt's story had stayed with me since him and I spoke, and we were in constant contact for a while, and he built some stuff for me to use with my paranormal investigations. I had wanted badly to interview him again and reached out a few months ago only for his wife to respond to me. Deborah had told me Matt had just died prior to Thanksgiving in 2021, from being in hospital due to COVID and pneumonia. I was shocked. So much intelligence and so and such an incredible alien encounter now gone. I'm so glad I had the opportunity to know him, even for such a small amount of time. He is very much missed. Thank you for joining me today. This has been Ghost Box Radio with Greg Bakken on AM 950. Thank you all for joining me. We'll see you next week. Happy Thanksgiving and take care.